You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. On today's episode of Her Leadership Coach, we'll be discussing the top three mistakes I see women make when applying for roles and how to overcome them. I have been on quite a number of recruitment panels and I've also applied for a lot of different roles at this stage in my career. And so I've seen firsthand mistakes that uh, others are making and definitely mistakes that I have made that I think are holding us back. Now, I believe this topic is crucial because understanding and addressing these mistakes really can improve your chances of landing that leadership role that you want. So if you've ever felt overlooked struggled with self-doubt or hesitated at all to apply for a higher position because you felt you weren't fully qualified, this episode is for you. Now, I want to start by saying that this is not our fault. This episode is not me telling you you're doing it wrong. End of story. In fact, I firmly believe there are a lot of ways in which the system needs to change so that women are not disadvantaged for being women and so that organizations are better places to work for all of us, for men, women, non-binary folk. I wrote an article on LinkedIn in all about this. So uh, if you want to hear me rave on, you can certainly go and find that and I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. While I'm talking about the mistakes we make as women in the recruitment process, the more nuanced version of that is, these are the mistakes I see us making that are within our control and that help us make the most of the system as it is today. Now, my broader mission is to see the system change. However, I am also realistic and I believe we need to live in the right now, right? So uh, we need to work with what we've got while still taking action for a better future. So with that disclaimer behind us, let's just dive straight into mistake number one. And that is you have not applied for a role you think you would love. You may have heard before the remark Sheryl Sandberg of Lean In fame made about women applying for roles when they meet 100% of the criteria versus men apply when they meet about 60% of the criteria. Now, it turns out her remark wasn't based off scientific research, more anecdotal, uh, and yet... I see evidence of this in the recruitment panels I've been part of, and there is research that points to what may be the cause. Uh, now, Catalyst, a global nonprofit organization that is focused on advancing women in the workplace, conducted a study examining high potential employees and their career aspirations. And the research found that women were more likely than men to believe they needed to develop specific skills or gain more experience before they applied for a higher level position. 
Does that sound familiar to you? It certainly sounds familiar to me. And really, it suggests that women are probably holding themselves to higher standards when looking at their qualifications for advancement. And that's going to impact their willingness to apply for those leadership roles. Now, this is often referred to as the confidence gap. But really, that's not how I see it. Now, while it may be true that men in general apply for roles they are not qualified for because they are confident that they will be able to work it out along the way, I don't necessarily see women holding back because they're not confident they can work it out too. Because I think we are. I think we know that we can work things out on the fly. It's more that we make this assumption that what is being asked for in a role description is actually what's needed. It's a requirement. They're asking for it. And we think if we don't have it, we're not going to get the job. And so why would we waste people's time, including our own? Because it takes a lot to write these applications and go through the interview process. This is one of those cases where, to me, we need to change the system. We need to be very clear about what is required in a role and what is desirable in a role. Perhaps then we can also stop people applying for roles that don't even meet the basic requirements. Honestly, I'm astounded at the number of applications I've read that have had no experience in anything to do with the role and also just no attempt to say how they would fill those gaps, right? Like just... I'm just going to put in an application and see how I go, even though I've got nothing to do with this role. It's it's really eye-opening. <laughs> now, maybe there are companies with this already that, that you know, are very clear around that mandatory uh, and desirable, or maybe um, there are companies that have a tick box. I haven't seen this, but I'd like to see it, um, where you make people agree like you know the capture thing are you human (laughs) we have a tick box that makes people agree that yes I have the mandatory skills required and we don't let them submit an application unless they've ticked that box sure they could still tick it anyway however I think it's one of those barriers that people would actually stop and think no I don't and I'm lying if I tick this whereas submitting an application isn't lying it's just being extremely hopeful Of course, the problem right now is, for the most part, these changes are not within our control as much as I would love them to be. So how do we overcome this one as it stands right now? What is within our control? Well, let's start by reevaluating your perspective on job descriptions and Get this understanding that the requirements listed are often a combination of essential and desirable qualifications. And then instead of focusing on what you don't have in that list, get clear on your transferable skills, experiences, and what unique value you can bring to the role. So, for example, if a job's asking for experience in using a particular software that you've never used before, Rather than ignoring that gap and pretending that requirement just doesn't exist, address it head on. Say something like, well, I haven't used that specific software before. 
in my current role, they introduced this other software with very little training provided, and I took the initiative to not only learn it through finding online resources, I also ended up becoming the go-to person others turned to when they needed help. So I am confident in being able to learn this software quickly. Can you see how as someone looking to employ someone that has some skills and can address the rest of the skills, just calling it out is really powerful. You also want to consider before making an application like this, reaching out to your mentors or maybe colleagues who've been successfully promoted, particularly into roles where they didn't meet all of the skills, right? If you ask them for their advice on either how to write your resume, how to present your qualifications, how to present your potential for leadership if you're not in a leadership role yet or for senior leadership if that's where you're heading for, despite not meeting all of the listed criteria, or simply ask them how did they present theirs, right? So they may not have the time to look through yours and, you know, give you specific advice, but ask them how did they do it? And remember that your perception of what is required in the role description may not always align with the hiring manager's expectations. And so I highly encourage you to give the hiring manager a call and ask them what is it that they are looking for in a successful applicant. Now, earlier I said that I don't believe it's a lack of confidence that stops women applying for roles where they don't meet 100% of the criteria. However, I do see cases where women don't apply for roles even when they do meet 100% of the criteria. And that is often due to what's known as imposter syndrome. And this is where you doubt your accomplishments and you think you're about to be exposed as a fraud. So you might think that all of the things you've done so far has been a complete fluke. You're just lucky. Or there were real reasons why you were successful, but they have nothing to do with your abilities or hard work. Imposter syndrome is not exclusive to women. However, it does tend to show up more frequently and more intensely for women particularly if you're in a male-dominated industry or environment. Now, the topic of imposter syndrome is a whole episode in itself that I will cover another day. But basically, the fear of being found out as an imposter can prevent you from applying for roles that you are qualified for, or even cause you to really downplay your accomplishments and your qualifications during the interview itself. Which, nicely, brings me to the next mistake I have seen through the recruitment process. And that is, you bring your humble self. Now, those of us raised as women can be more inclined to downplay what we've done and avoid self-promotion because, God forbid, we come across as boastful or arrogant, right? Men are generally, not always, but men are generally more comfortable highlighting their achievements and showcasing their skills, and that has to do with their upbringing. And unfortunately, this difference can impact how hiring managers see candidates' abilities and potential for leadership. 
Now, I've said this in previous episodes, but we know from an early age, women are often socialized to be modest, humble, prioritize the needs of others over our own. And so really, it's no wonder we're reluctant to toot our own horns. We're taught not to. And then you add to that, that research has shown that when we do assert ourselves and show that same level of confidence as men in ourselves we can face backlash in the form of negative perceptions and stereotypes. So when we're going against our upbringing, uh, it makes it look as if we're not conforming to our stereotype and people feel very uncomfortable with that. So this double bind, as it's called, can make it even more challenging for us as women to talk about our accomplishments and our skills in a really confident and positive manner during the job application process. So is there any way we can win? Okay, so I've got a few suggestions of how we can show off our best selves without falling victim to the double bind and without feeling incredibly uncomfortable. And the first is using stories to illustrate your strengths. Telling a story is far easier and more effective than simply saying, yeah, I'm great at stakeholder engagement. So for those of you that are not familiar, there is a method called the STAR method, S-T-A-R, and you can structure your story through that. So it stands for situation, task, action, and result. Now, let me give you an example using this. So situation is where you give a little bit of context. Like when I was a project manager at ABC Company, we were facing challenges in coordinating with various departments for a critical whole organization project, right? So that's where we're at. That's our starting point. Next, you outline the task. So it might be my responsibility was to ensure smooth communication between all the stakeholders and keep the project on track. Okay, so that is what you were tasked to do. And then you describe the action that you took. And this is where the meat comes into it. So what did you do? Uh, I set up regular meetings with all department heads, developed a shared project tracking system and ensured open communication channels to address any concerns promptly. And then finally, you share the result. So as a result, we were able to complete the project two weeks ahead of schedule, and it led to an increase in overall efficiency of 15%. Now, I'll revisit a little bit of that later, but by sharing experiences that way, through the storytelling, through the STAR method, you're able to demonstrate what you do you can also use that method to demonstrate your resilience or leadership qualities and show how you have uh, approached them. And then you find that the recruitment team feels more confident in your abilities. Unfortunately, I've seen a few too many people talk to what they do sounding like they've literally just read it off a Wikipedia page. And that does not provide confidence at all that you can actually do the thing. Okay, second way is to focus on the impact of your work. And I kind of alluded to that in the result part of the STAR method. So emphasize the positive outcomes of your accomplishments and how they have contributed to the success of your team or your organization. So you're not focusing entirely on you, 
but on the outcomes of what you've done. And that makes it a little bit more comfortable for us. Um, it's also by connecting your achievements to this broader context highlights your skills and abilities and you're not coming across to the panel as self-centered, which is against our stereotype as women. So example, let's say you led a project that increases your company's efficiency and instead of merely stating you improve the efficiency, like in the example before, you provide specific numbers such as I implemented a new process that resulted in a 20% reduction in production time and saved the company $50,000 a year. By using precise figures like that, it feels really tangible, right? Uh, and you're able to demonstrate your impact without coming across as boastful. So if you're not looking at the data around what you do yet, I highly encourage you to start. Now, in saying that, sometimes you just don't have numbers, right? There is no quantitative data. And in fact, the impact you are making is more qualitative than quantitative. One of the ways that I've used in the past to showcase my stakeholder engagement abilities was I actually used to inc include a quote from a survey that we ran after completing a project. And one of the stakeholders said in it, basically and I'm paraphrasing, but basically it was the best run project they've been a part of. So I was able to put the whole quote with a little bit of context into my resume or cover letter, wherever it made the most sense to give some of that qualitative data for the recruitment panel. Um, that is just another reason, by the way, not to shy away from feedback, because sometimes you can get amazingly good feedback that you can use in those circumstances. Finally, in this case, you want to really prepare and rehearse for your interview, right? So start with getting clear on what your accomplishments, skills and experiences are that are relevant to the role. And like I said earlier, pay particular attention to the skills you don't think you meet. You want to practice speaking about your achievements out loud using that star format um, focusing on the impact they had and the value they added. And by doing that, you're going to help build your confidence in speaking and quell the nerves. Speaking of nerves, just as a little aside, everyone is nervous at an interview. And the recruitment panel is generally well aware of that, having been through many such processes themselves. So please don't feel like you have to let them know. I don't know how many people will sit there and say, oh, I'm so nervous. And it just, one, is wasting time. Uh, and two, it's calling attention to something that often is far more visible for you than it is to the panel. Uh, now, just a little sneak peek into this uh, practice piece um, with the Accelerate Your Leadership Academy. We have created the space in there for you to have monthly practice spots with your peers because this 
is really important. So you can use that practice spot for exactly this purpose. Practice your interview skills or you might practice a difficult conversation you need to have with your manager or a teammate or um, someone within your team. Uh, or even practicing an inspirational presentation. So uh, you'll find the link for the waiting list of Accelerate Your Leadership Academy in the show notes. Make sure you join that so you're the first to know when that is open for new members. Okay, so the final mistake we'll talk about today around you know applying for roles is one I have struggled with every time I move up a level. And that is, it's really tricky to find the right focus for the position you are seeking as you move up. There is a different expectation for people applying for individual roles versus leadership roles versus senior leadership roles. And it can be tricky to know that if you've never applied for a role at that level. So let's take a look at each one. For those applying for individual roles, you focus on what you have been doing. You're focusing on the tasks. And when I talked earlier about the STAR method and gave that example, that is exactly the type of example you can use at an individual level. You do, though, need to watch for how you are talking about the tasks. So early in my career, I applied for a promotion and I didn't get it, which is not unusual. I often apply for roles just for the feedback. And the feedback I received this time from a male leader was that I didn't use the word I enough. And so he wasn't clear what I did versus what the team did. Now, years later, while being on a recruitment panel, I shared this story with a female panelist. And she said she loved it when people said we, as that showed her that they were good team players. So I kind of was like, well, conflicting feedback. This is fantastic. But after thinking about it for a while, the lesson I took from this is that both perspectives are valid, right? So you want to be clear about your role in your accomplishments. You also want to acknowledge the team effort involved to show that, yes, I can do this and I am a good team player. Now, when you start applying for middle manager roles, the focus starts to shift. It becomes a little less about the tasks, although yes, that can still be important, but it becomes more about how you lead and how you develop your team, how you manage resources, whether that's uh, budgets or um, software or people, uh, not that I like calling people resources, and how you drive results, how you get people to do things. So you'll want to emphasize for these roles your ability to communicate and influence others, uh, your strategic thinking, um, problem solving skills, critical thinking, those kind of things. Now in the STAR format, where it gets to the action that you took, you can focus more on that level of how you, you know, the action you took to develop your team or the action you took to influence others rather than the action you took to do the task itself. Okay. And then as you move into senior leadership roles, the focus shifts again. And in these positions, you need to demonstrate your ability to create and carry out a, a vision, a strategic vision. 
you want to talk to how you can effectively manage large scale change. Uh, And an interesting one is how you deal with the politics of the organization, because as much as we would mostly like to stay away from that, once you get to those senior leadership roles, you're just not able to and you need to show that you can navigate in that space, right? Uh, You also need to highlight your experience in building and maintaining relationships with key stakeholders across the organization and often outside of the organization, right? Uh, And that's why building your village is an important skill in the Accelerate Your Leadership Academy. It is tricky to right-size your focus the first time you're applying for a higher level role. So I think it's okay to start applying before you think you're ready, right? Just so you get some clear feedback on how to do it next time when it might really matter for you. Uh, The trick is don't apply for it to get feedback and then feel really invested in the outcome and super disappointed when you don't get it. Uh, And I've speaking from experience there, um, don't change your, your needs on the way through. If you get it, fantastic. If you don't, you were applying for the feedback. And so make sure you make the most of that opportunity. One of the key questions, I think, when asking for feedback is not just about your resume, um, your interview, your cover letter, not just about what you've given them in that time, particularly if you're applying for a role within your organization and the panel knows you, ask them what they want to see from you in order to consider you next time. Because the decision quite often is made outside of the recruitment process, even though it appears to be within the recruitment process. So ask them, what do you need to see from me in order to consider me next time? Okay, so there you have it. The three main mistakes I see women making when applying for roles. I hope you got something out of that. I would love to hear from you about what your biggest takeaway was. If you want to continue the conversation about applying for your dream job or let me know your biggest takeaway or talk about being a leader from the inside out, come and join us in the Woman in Leadership Facebook group. You will find the link to the group and the Her Leadership Way Manifesto, which is all about your mindset shifts and the principles of being a leader on the inside out in the show notes. I also want to let you know that some of this podcast was created with the assistance of artificial intelligence. I have been playing around a lot with this lately. As leaders, I encourage you to be playing around with this as well as it is going to change the way we work. Now, the ideas, examples, language, they are all still mine. However, I occasionally get help with editing the audio, writing my show notes and the occasional save from writer's block because it saves me time and I am a busy woman. Exactly what I need. Now, if you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you will know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others to find the show. And I would really appreciate it. Until next week, continue to lead the way her way.